0: Let's dive right in. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29 through 33. It goes like this. It says, Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. What a compliment. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the, son, in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. That's the Bible kind of being sarcastic. It said if that wasn't bad enough that he was following the sins of Jeroboam, which was idolatry, He didn't stop there. He took Jezebel, the exact person you don't want your kids to marry. Verse 32. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Look at this last uh, phrase. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Wow, what a statement. He did more to provoke God to anger than anyone who was before him. Israel is an unprecedented rebellion. Ahab is walking in the sins of Jeroboam, which was turning the people from worshiping the true God to idols. In a moment when the people were ready to head Jerusalem and worship God, these kings would interrupt their pilgrimage and set up idols to worship instead of Yahweh. And if this had not been enough for Ahab, he follows Jezebel and gets even worse. Israel is in a poor and deteriorated condition. Their king did more evil than anyone that came before him. Why do moments like this grab my attention? Because in this state, Israel was an unprecedented deteriorating state. They had never been in a place like this before. But I think that we can relate. Because the world we live in, this hour that we find ourselves in, is also in a unique mess. Do I even need to convince you? Globally, on the global stage, we're seeing alliances like Russia and China getting together. Tensions increasing all around, putting us on the verge of World War III. Here in the U.S., we're seeing the unraveling of our own society, right? We're engaged in culture wars that has everybody at each other's throat. On the news constantly you hear the unthinkable like spouses murdering one another i heard i saw this article of one man trying to drive off the cliff in an attempt to murder his own family america finds herself in the biggest drug epidemic with the opioid crisis drugs like cocaine and heroin and fentanyl killing and ruining so many lives come on church or how about the fact that not even half of the people in our nation have $400 in their bank account to help them out in their own emergency situation. We find ourselves in unprecedented times, but what is God's answer? And let me be clear. God always has an answer. God always has an answer. I don't know what situation you find yourself in, but don't you think for one moment that God is surprised by your situation? God is not reactive, God is proactive. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls Jesus the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That means before there was a sin, before there was an apple, before there was a garden for Adam to sin in, God made up his mind that he had chosen you and that he would pay any price to get you back. Israel finds themselves in a mess. What was God's solution? Put up uh, 1 Kings 17.1. The solution is very simple. I love it. 1 Kings 17.1 and Elijah the Tishbite. That's it right there. Elijah was God's solution. God's answer was a prophet. Leonard Ravenhill says that prophets are God's emergency men for crisis hours. I like that. Prophets are God's emergency men for crisis hours. Now, I don't want you to, there to be a disconnect like, oh crap, a prophet's a solution. Do those even exist anymore? Now, let me tell you what was so significant about a prophet in the Old Testament. A prophet was simple. It was just a man or woman anointed by God with the word of God in their mouth. What have we been learning this year? That if we want to see better than ever, that word needs to get in our mouth, right? God is wanting to anoint you and put the word of God in your mouth. And if that ever happens, you'd be surprised how quickly things can turn around. Come on church. Do you believe that? Come on. I don't want y'all participating. If you're here needing something from God, I want you to hook up your faith with mine. I, I believe we're going somewhere. You are God's solution for this hour. You are God's solution for this hour. You know what the Bible says in Romans? That the earth is literally groaning and travailing with an earnest expectation, hear me, not for the return of Christ. Oh God, it's getting bad, it's getting bad, it's getting bad. Oh, we need Jesus to come back. I want Jesus to come back, but the earth is growing for you, the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what that means? That the earth is groaning, waiting for you to take your rightful place to know who you are in God, to finally read this Bible and believe it, to know that you have been blessed with all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look to your neighbor and say, you are God's solution for this hour. Come on. Do you want to know how much God thinks of you? Look at the trouble he's trusting you with. (laughs) Wow. Look to your neighbor and say, God must really trust you. Look to your other neighbor and say, no, seriously, he must really trust you. Come on, what situation do you find yourself in? Are you at work thinking, oh, God, I live in the most God-forsaken place. That's why he put you there. Come on, do none of your family members believe in God? Great, that's why he put you there. What situation do you find yourself? You need to stop waiting for somebody else to come and realize you are God's solution. Oh man, I'm sick of California. I'm leaving this place. I'm not. Come on. That's why God put you here. That's why God put this church here. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to plant both my feet in the place that God has called me to be until this thing turns around. Come on. Do you believe that God still turns nations around? If you do, shout yes. Come on, come on, come on. Elijah was a mighty man, but what made the difference in his life was the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. Can we talk about it real quick? The anointing is the Holy Spirit. Hear me, hear me, because I believe God's wanting to open some eyes and say some things this morning, okay? The anointing is not just a church, churchy Christian word. The anointing is a real tangible thing. The anointing is the Holy Spirit, hear me, upon an individual. It is the power of God upon an individual, hear me, for a purpose. God doesn't just anoint you so you can feel goosebumps. God puts his hand on your life so you can make a difference for the people around you. And I believe that God is going to be anointing people this morning amen it's the holy spirit power of god upon you can i show you isaiah 61 verse 1 let's jam through these but these are important if you want to write these down i think it would be a good idea isaiah 61 1 look at this the spirit of the lord god is what upon me because the lord has anointed me there it is for what, for what purpose to what to preach Ooh. i think church we need to start opening up our mouths come on i think you're anointed to preach I think you're anointed to share this good news. I think it would be a crime to keep this stuff to yourself. God has anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor. Keep going. He has sent me to what? To heal the brokenhearted. And to what? To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the pr- prison to those who are bound. Next verse. I want you to see this. This is so good. Luke five seventeen. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Look at this. And the power of the Lord, that's the anointing, was present for what? To heal. This is awesome. Leave that verse up right there. In this particular situation, Jesus is teaching, and the Bible lets us in on the spiritual realm and says that while he was doing that, the power of God was available to heal bodies. Now what's really sad about the text is they could care less. They were trying to fight Jesus about his doctrine. And it made me think, how many times is the anointing available and us not take advantage of what the power of God is there to do? The power of God was there ready to heal and nobody got healed. How sad. I have a question for you this morning. Are you sleeping on your anointing? has God anointed with you with power, ready at any moment to make a difference? And you're scrolling on TikTok. Now, I don't got nothing. Actually, I do have something against TikTok. It's not a sin. I think it's stupid, but it's not a sin. Why would you scroll for hours looking at what's going on in other people's lives when God wants to do something through yours? The power of God is present to heal. And ain't nobody getting healed. That's sad, man. Next verse. Next verse. I love this one. Acts 10.38. This is good right here. Acts 10.38. How God, what? Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There it is again. The anointing is the Holy Spirit upon, power upon. And he did something with it. He went about, what? Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I love that, I love that. God wants to anoint you, not just Jesus. He didn't do that so you could sit in awe only. He was leading by example. He wants to anoint you so you could go in your workplace, in the school, to your family, and do good and heal all who were oppressed. See, I think a victim mentality has infiltrated the church. I think we're so defeated and we're waiting for somebody to come bail us out when God has given you everything you need to turn the situation around. I think we need the people of God to stand up and to realize things like all things are possible to them that believe. Come on. Do you read the same Bible I read? Do you read the same Bible I read? He said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. What do we do with promises like that? What are we waiting for? God has given us the anointing to turn this state, this nation around. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with good, with, with power. To do good and heal. One, one, one last verse, one last verse, 1 John 3.8. It says this, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, okay, Christ the anointed one, for a purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, the devil gets so terrified with sermons like this because he knows, oh shoot, they're hearing for the first time that they got what it takes to destroy the works of the devil. I love, what, I love what Nav said. He said, you've been taught all your life that if you've been in the wrong place at the wrong time, a whole lot back can happen, yeah. And that's why the devil is so scared because of the reverse. All you have to do, baby, is be in the right place at the right time. I don't care if you've been addicted for 14 years, in a moment, the Holy Spirit, the anointing can break those chains. Come on, do you still believe in a God? that breaks chains. Woo! Come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of the anointing. We need the anointing. We need the anointing. We need to turn the anointing up. Oh, and I'm concerned about this generation. I'm concerned that we don't know the difference between the anointing and a gifting. Oh, come on. In this society, we're infatuated. Talk about idolatry we're infatuated with giftings a gifting is what man can do the anointing is what God can do come on a gifting will get you some likes and maybe some followers but the anointing will chase cancer out of somebody's body which one do you want which one do you want do you want a following or do you want your voice to be recognized in the heavenly realm Come on, we don't need more giftings, church. We need more of the anointing. Come on. I believe that God is going to increase the anointing on your life. A quick few things. This is Elijah. He's anointed. He comes, and God uses him to prophesy a drought. God loved that nation so much to let it succeed. He wanted to interrupt it with a prophet who prophesied a drought. This man was so anointed that nature listened to this guy and a drought and a famine took place. God tells Elijah to go into hiding. Real quick, if you're taking notes, four quick things that the anointing will do for you. Number one, it led him to a brook. The anointing will lead you. The anointing will lead you. One of the things I have learned in my life to value so much is the leading of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit how many know life will present you with some crazy decisions to make what do you, how are you making those decisions because if you're not being led by the holy spirit you are left to your own finite limited intellect and you know for sure that you do not know the future this is why we need the anointing god wants to lead you i'm speaking to somebody this morning you may have a decision to make i want to tell you be at rest Don't be stressed. God wants to lead you. And if you will quiet yourself enough, yep, that's it. If you quiet yourself enough, God wants to speak to you and he wants to lead you. Do you know God cares? God cares about your situation. God has victory for your situation. You may be in a mess, like a real mess, like a legal mess, but God wants to lead you out of that into victory. You need the anointing, lead you number two real quick it provided for him the anointed the anointing provided for elijah it's so awesome he prophesied this drought but it wasn't a drought or a famine in elijah's life come on we're in a financial crisis right now as a nation right but that doesn't mean it has to be that way for you personally because the anointing will provide for you the anointing got a a little oil i mean a little jar of oil and some flour and multiplied it. Come on, the anointing was so powerful on Jesus' life, so all he needed was a couple fish and a few loaves and he was able to feed multitudes. I don't know what you have right now in your life, but I don't want you to devalue it. You don't need more, you just need to submit it to God. Wow, that's for somebody this morning. You don't need more, just submit what you have to God and he will provide for you. Do you receive that? come on am I speaking to anybody number three the anointing revives things the widow that Elijah had provided for her son got sick and died and she presented it to Elijah and Elijah because he was anointed took it to the upper room prayed for the boy and through the power of the anointing the dead boy came back to life and God told me this the church has left things dead that I have wanted to revive. The church, you, me, have we left things in a dead state when God, through the anointed, anointing, wanted to revive it? Oh, come on, let's take self-inventory. What things are dead in your life? I'm telling you, God wants to revive it. What dreams are dead in your life? God wants to revive it. Come on, what relationships are dead in your life? God wants to revive it. Come on, we've been hearing a lot about revival. That's what it is. God wants to revive some things. And then lastly, the anointing distinguished Elijah. It was time for Elijah to go back to the king. He got the king and all the prophets of Baal to gather on Mount Carmel for one big test. The test was this, that they set up an altar to sacrifice on it. They had the prophets set up their sacrifice, Elijah set up his, and he said this, how about we pray? You pray to your God, I will pray to my God, and whichever God sends fire from heaven to lick up the sacrifice, that will be, once and for all, the one true God. Clouds of heavy rain came, it's pouring wet, prophets pray for hours and no response finally it's Elijah's time he goes up there and he prays to God and the heavens open and fire comes down and licks up the sacrifice it was a crazy moment can't wait to see it in heaven and in that moment God had distinguished himself and Elijah, Pastor Randy's been saying it. You don't need to market yourself. You don't need to push your brand. You don't need to get your name out there. If you get the anointing, oh, God will distinguish you. God will set you apart. God will promote you. You don't need more marketing. You need the anointing. Okay, so Elijah and the king split. It's a crazy time in the kingdom. Elijah's knowing, okay, once he did this, what is Ahab's next move? Is Ahab finally going to turn this nation back to God? But instead, Ab- Ahab reports to Jezebel all that Elijah had done and even how he had killed all of her prophets with the sword. Jezebel, let me let's talk about Jezebel real quick. She hates the prophetic. Jezebel hates godly authority. Jezebel hates the devout. Jezebel hates the pure and she definitely hates those who are bold. She is very angry. I almost use a different word. First Kings chapter 19. Let's look at it right here. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. She is upset, saying, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as one of those by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose for his, and ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he even left his servant there. Elijah was out. She was so upset that she set this threat to Elijah and said, man, God do to me if I don't make your life as one of the prophets that you killed by this time tomorrow. Jezebel was super, super angry. But I wanna tell you one interesting thing about this text. It is super interesting to me that she sends a messenger to inform him and not an assassin to kill him think about it she didn't send a killer she sent a threat I mean if you really want to get rid of somebody you're gonna go tell them what you're gonna do this is your opportunity right go kill the prophet now why did she send a messenger maybe she did it because she's so haughty and proud she's gonna tell you and then do it right maybe she did this as a form of venting her rage or maybe and I want you to catch this Maybe she did it as a scheme. Maybe she did it as her last feeble attempt to rid herself and her fragile reign of Elijah. Think with me, think with me. After the impression that Elijah had just made on the kingdom, the people, Ahab and Jezebel, showing all and everyone around that Elijah had the backing of heaven and that God's hand was on him, Jezebel was not being proud and obnoxious. She was terrified. And she had one last resort. If I can't defeat him, maybe I can threaten him into sitting back down. Woo! Church, can I let you in on a big secret? As a believer, the enemy has absolutely, positively, precisely no power over you. Hey, let me say say that again. As a believer, the enemy has absolutely, positively, precisely no power over you. Come on. I want you to check out a verse. Colossians 2.15. We'll be quick. uh, This is the Passion Translation. It says, then Jesus, when he died on the cross, Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. Look at this. Stripping away from them every weapon. And all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Come on. If you believe that, give Jesus some praise. Excuse me that verse is so powerful because it tells us that every weapon and every piece of spiritual authority that the enemy once had was stripped this means that between the day of his crucifixion and the day of his resurrection Jesus destroyed death the powers of darkness and every work of the enemy through the blood of his cross that means you have nothing to worry about That means the enemy has zero power over you. That means whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Come on, everything was stripped from the enemies. Matthew 28, 18 says that all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on the earth. Luke 10, 18 says that Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So then, how can the enemy have any power over the believer? The answer is this, through threats and through lies. Bill Johnson says it like this, when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. When you, be- you only empower the liar when you believe the lie. Jezebel found her a place where she was utterly impotent. She had no power. Her last resort was, can I threaten Elijah into hiding? Wow! You know, the Bible says that the enemy, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The text does not say he's a roaring lion devouring anyone he may. The Bible says that he walks around as, that means he's pretending. And he's looking for anyone that he might be able to devour. But I think the people of God need to finally say you may not come on you may not say with me say you may not devour me come on say it loud you may not devour me come on say you may not devour my children say you may not devour my marriage you may not devour my ministry come on say it with me as for me in my house Come on, church, like you mean it, As for me in my house. We will serve the Lord. Give Jesus some praise. I'm gonna go ahead and welcome Tom and the band back. I'm gonna end with something. I wanna tie this up with a New Testament story because this is what God has impressed on my heart. And I want you to hear me this morning. All too many times in history God has started such a mighty, powerful, and pure work in his people. This work is so potent, so capable and unstoppable that the enemy finds himself utterly impotent. At this point, the enemy's last card is to threaten you into hiding, hoping that you will believe his lies and hear me, disconnect from the power of the greater one that will cause you to be more than an overcomer. I wanna ask you this morning, were there moments in your life where God started something new, turned the page, ignited a fire, imparted a passion, or gave you a vision? And then a threat came, a fear came. An incident in life happened. Come on, you went through pain and that caused you to draw back. Think with, this morning. Think with me this morning, what fear has caused you to draw back? Was it the fear of trouble? Was it the fear that God would abandon you? Was it the fear of failure? Maybe the fear of the opinions of people. Realize that the fears that came your way, they weren't a sign that you were on your way to defeat, but rather that you were on a path to victory. I want to read that again. I want to read that again. Hear me. Hear me this morning. Realize that the fears in that moment, you were on your way and you were hit with something. That wasn't a sign that you were on your way down but rather that you were on a path to victory. The enemy knew he couldn't overcome you. So his strategy then was to intimidate you. Real quick, I want you to hear me as I tell a story of something that happened in the New Testament. On the day of Pentecost, it's 50 days after Jesus had raised from the dead. It was the advent of the Holy Spirit. God had sent the promise of the Holy Spirit There were 120 people in the upper room and the Spirit of God filled that place. And these guys were so impacted by an encounter with God, with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they literally went out from there and turned the world upside down. Let me tell you something, it's not enough for you just to get touched by God. There's a world out there that needs what you have. Come on, Easter services are right around the corner. You're going to come by yourself and your family. Everything's good. I'm going to go praise God. No, there's a hurting and dying world out there. We need to bring them. You know, it was prophesied about this place, and I heard it, that this place would be the easiest place to get people saved. God's not done. God is not done. Things are getting ready to be better than ever. Bible follows these two individuals Peter and John they're going to the temple to pray on their way to the temple they see this beggar and this beggar had no clue that this day his life was about to change he looks at Peter and John and he's asking for change God put myself in his shoes and I'm thinking he had no clue come on did you know your days of begging are over have you been begging have you been believing God for what's left some leftovers for your life just to be all right God wants to turn your life completely upside down. Peter looks at this man and says, get up on your feet and walk. And instantly, the Bible says his legs receive strength and he jumps up and he goes in the temple. Now everybody in that area had known him and the place goes wild. Peter takes that opportunity with everyone's attention to preach and 5,000 people get saved on that day. Isn't that amazing? I want to say this because I feel it prophetically in my heart, we're going to see those types of numbers again. We're going to see those types of numbers again. I don't read the Bible like, wow, it must have been cool. No, I believe that God wants to do something like that in this day. You know, the Bible says that the latter rain and the former rain are going to come together and that what God does in the end is, the, is greater than what God did in the beginning. If we saw 5,000 get saved then, what does that mean about what we're about to see today? Come on, I wanna prophesy mass salvations. Come on, I wanna prophesy hundreds and even thousands are gonna be coming to the kingdom. These guys made such an impact that the leading authorities in that day were shook and they realized they couldn't stop it It was an undeniable miracle, an undeniable miracle. That's what's coming your way, stuff that's undeniable. It's undeniable. Everyone knows I was hooked on heroin for years, and now look at me. My life is completely changed. God is in the undeniable miracles. It's undeniable. They couldn't do anything. So let's see what they tried to do. Acts 4, 13 through 17. Okay, I'm going to be wrapping this up. Hang with me. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived
1: that they were uneducated
0: and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I like that. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go out, aside out of the con- council, they conferred among themselves saying, Okay, guys. What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them, it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us what? Severely threaten them. Do you see the enemy's tactics? He ain't got no new strategies. He's trying the same thing that worked on Elijah then. Let's severely threaten them, so that from now on they speak to no man in this name. First of all, what name? Come on, church. What name? Come on. This is church. What name? Jesus. There's still power in that name. Come on. There is still healing in that name. Come on. Demons still tremble at that name. Mountains still move in that name. Don't you ever stop using the name of Jesus. Don't you let no devil, no person, come on, no attack, no incident intimidate you out of using that name. That name is what will get you out, sir. Come on, that name is what will save your children, man. That name, that name. Somebody say Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody say Jesus. Woo! Demons get scared. The enemy is terrified. Oh, if you only knew how scared he was because of the name above all names, the name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's look at what happened. Acts 4:23, 24. And being let go, they went to their own companions. I like that. And they reported to all the chief priests and the elders what they had said to him. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. I love that, okay? This is how to properly deal with the threat. First, they went to their own companions, the believers. And I wanna say this, be very careful who your companions are because you just can't roll with anybody, not anymore. God wants to do something special in your life, but who you hang around is utterly important. Come on, that's why when the church opens up spaces like grow groups or men's and women's, you got to be the first at the door. Because you need to get with your own companions. You don't need no nonsense, drama in your ear. You need someone who's going to build you up who's going to believe with you, who's going to pray with you, who's going to challenge you, who's going to inspire you. I believe that God loves you too much. They to let you wrong with just anybody. They got with their own companions, and they reminded themselves who God was. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea that, and all that is in them. In verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all Boldness. Somebody say boldness. Somebody say boldness. Somebody say boldness. They may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In verse 31, and we'll end with this. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with what? With boldness. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me end with this. I believe even this year, God started something in your life that was of Him. It was precious, it is pure, and it is holy. And for some of you already, the enemy or life has met you with some type of opposition or resistance. Now, if you do like you have always done, this is where you would typically sit back down. But God sent me here this morning to receive the impartation of boldness to never back down again. This is your moment. Come on, this is your moment. Your life is going to get better than ever. What are you up against? What are you up against? What voice right now is screaming in your ear? Once and for all, you ain't going to listen to that no more. Come on, God's going to give you boldness. And you're going to step into who God has called you to be. Oh, come on. This is grown people talk. This is grown people talk. It's time. No more games. No more playing around. God is getting ready to do something in your life that is absolutely beautiful. Come on, already in that moment, but what if I can't? What if I can't? This one's not going to be on you. This one's going to be on God. You know what I love about this scripture? Is that boldness was not a personality trait for these guys. They weren't bold because they were type A people. They were bold because the Holy Spirit filled them. That means no matter what personality or temperament you have, when the Holy Spirit fills you, this is the boldness straight from Jesus. Oh, you ain't never going to back down again. There is some decisions some of you are gonna to have to make. And it's gonna take boldness to make those decisions. God's gonna start calling on some of you to share your faith. And it is gonna take boldness to do that. God is gonna start moving on someone's heart to pray for the sick again. And it's gonna take boldness to do that. But I'm here to tell you, you are never going to back down again. Are you ready to receive this? Are you ready to receive this? before I do that and before I pray, oh, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. Before I do that, I wanna give anyone here the opportunity to be united with Jesus. So if you would just bow your heads with me. If you're in this room, you, maybe it's your first time in, in a church, this church, hadn't been in church in a long time and you don't even know what's going on but there is some type of stirring in your heart and you know, man, this is different. This is God, I feel God, and I'm not right with God. That's big, that's huge, this is where this whole thing starts. Yeah, but Kenny, you don't understand, I'm flawed, man. I'm flawed. I wish I could look you in the eye and say, I am right there with you. I am right there with you, I know what it is. But this one's not on you. There's a love that God wants to introduce you to. There's a grace that you have no clue about that wants to meet you. The Bible says that he offered his own son, Jesus, to die for your sins. Basically, heaven was willing to pay any price for the chance of having you reunited with your heavenly Father. Oh, God loves you so much. God loves you so much, he's not disappointed, he's not frustrated, he's not angry with you. God is madly in love with you. And I wanna give you the opportunity right now to receive this love, but also to make the bold decision that I am leaving my old ways behind and I'm following Jesus. Yep, this part takes boldness too. You know, the Bible says that a man will leave his father and mother to be joined to his wife. Well, that's a marriage scripture, Kenny. Yeah, I know smarty pants. But the verse after that says, I speak a mystery to you, and I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. Do you want to see better than ever in your life? Leave that old life behind. You can do that right now. If this is you, I want you to pray with me. Say, Father, oh, I'm ready. I receive of your love, the unconditional love. I give you my old life. Do away with it. And I receive the new life that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give it up for that. I got one more prayer, one more prayer. If the boldness message spoke to you and you feel like you are on the verge of something and you're going to need this boldness, I want you to raise both hands right now. I'm going to pray. Yep, that's it right there. I knew it. Raise both hands high. Come on, high. You're going to receive a feeling of the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive supernatural boldness. You ain't never going to be the same. You ain't never going to back down. Come on, fear has tormented you. Fear, listen to me, fear has robbed you of the life that God has had for you for so long. And from this moment forward, God is going to give you a boldness to chase those fears away. Are you ready? Father, I pray for the people of God right now. God who made heaven and earth. You see the threats. You see the situations that the people of God face. You see what has caused them to back down. But right now, in your holy name, Father, I pray that boldness be imparted into their spirits right now in Jesus' name. Come on, boldness to run, boldness to believe, boldness to expect, boldness to share their faith, Boldness to pray for the sick. Boldness to chase after you. And boldness to never back down again. If you believe this, somebody shout amen. Amen.